everyone, and welcome to the Edge Quarterly Podcast, your spot to know all that's hot in the world of AI and automation. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me today are two very special guests from Edgeverve. We have Craig Harris, AVP and Senior Principal of Customer Success, and Manzer Ali, Manager of Client Services. Welcome, Craig and Manzer. Let's hear a little bit from both of you about yourselves first. So, Craig, Tell us a little bit about your experience so far and how is life treating you post-COVID-19? Well, Chris, it has certainly been a year that I never expected. And as the year draws to a close, we have experienced more in this year than perhaps five or 10 years of pre-COVID times. In Australia, we have, we have had significant impact of bushfire at the start of the year, which I was impacted by, then into the various phases and lockdowns due to COVID. While I'm not sure we are post-COVID yet, despite optimism about vaccines, life for me now is quite different than before with virtual meetings with customers, replacing in-person conversations and time in airports replaced with additional time being present at home. Thanks, Craig. Well, it looks like all of us are in the same COVID-19 boat. I can so relate with you. Now, Manzer, how are things at your end? Tell us a bit about you. You are in Australia and I hear the things are a little better there. Yes, indeed, Chris. I think it's no longer the new normal, as COVID has been around for a while now. Having said that, I truly think Australia and New Zealand have handled the pandemic relatively well. A vast majority of the citizens have complied to the health advice, which has helped us slowly open the economy. We were even fortunate to be able to host sporting events. A few weeks ago, I was part of a 30,000 strong crowd watching a cricket match between India and Australia, which one could not have imagined only a few months ago. To me personally, this year has been mixed with the lines between work and life blurring. I've certainly enjoyed the additional time that I've been able to spend with my son who turned six last month as he spent his first year at school. Thanks for sharing, Manzer. Now, Craig, as you know, all of us were impacted by COVID-19. In June, the unemployment rate was 7.1%, which was the highest ever recorded since October 2001. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said that the COVID-19 impact on jobs has been devastating. How is the situation currently and how can the government help? Absolutely, Chris. The job situation is really frightening. A lot of people who I know have lost jobs or have suffered hardship directly due to COVID. And like you pointed out, government, or rather the public sector, plays a critical role not only in Australia but in any country at this time to support the economy. Governments across the world have been issuing grants, supporting people and organisations more so than at any other time. We have seen the Australian government spend on JobKeeper, JobSeeker, stimulus packages for business, support for disadvantaged groups, child support and many more. With billions of dollars flowing through these packages, the government needs to ensure that affected people receive timely support. That's where our technology can help. What's your take, Menzo? Absolutely, Greg. The government support has truly helped keep the economy afloat with a lot of jobs retained uh, in a large part due to the $80 billion plus support that the government is spending on the JobKeeper program. Whilst this has been a great support, the demand for social services have significantly increased. According to a recent World Health Organization survey, the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted or halted critical mental health services in 93% of the countries worldwide, while the demand for mental health is increasing. This is the case in Australia as well, and the impact is not only on mental health services, 
It has been on several other services, such as child safety, disability services, domestic violence health services, to name a few. These services are required by citizens across the length and breadth of countries, which means governments are not always able to deliver these services directly, even in pre-COVID times. Towards this, governments have traditionally partnered with NGOs and service providers to deliver sizable portions of these services to citizens on their behalf. These partners play an important role in ensuring timely delivery of these critical services to citizens. The pandemic has amplified the role that the NGOs are playing in providing these services to the citizens in need. While this is nothing new, let me point out a major concern. Historically, payments to service providers to deliver these social services were managed as grants. However, managing social service delivery using grants management systems means little traceability back to the social outcomes that the government intend to achieve in these investments. Further, grants-based approaches have limited ability to compare and identify the social areas that need more investment versus others, and which investments are more effective than others in improving social outcomes. In addition to the lack of visibility, there's a lot of admin time spent by social services departments and service providers when service delivery targets are varied for any reason. In such cases, a significant amount of manual effort is spent to reconcile variations, both by departmental staff as well as the service providers. The effort would be better spent delivering the services to citizens. Well, come to think of it, I totally agree. This is an area that not many discuss. Craig, what's your view? Exactly, Chris. This is an emerging area of focus across governments. To add to what Menzor said, the perception of a grant carries reduced accountability and governments are beginning to transition to a social investment model where social services are procured against targeted outcomes. This transition involves changes to process, solutions and the organisation culture across the stakeholders, thereby creating an end-to-end -end social services procurement framework. In this model, service providers have greater accountability to their clients including clear traceability of the impact on social outcomes. I see. Now, my question is that procurement has been a focus area for quite some time. How is this different? Well, let me answer that. Within traditional services procurement, the process starts with strategy planning, followed by a sourcing and a contract management process to find the right service provider. This is then followed by the purchasing process and orders are sent to the vendor or the service provider and service delivery confirmed before payments can be made to the service providers. While this process suits procurement of most services, it does not appeal to the social services procurement as the services, service providers typically require advance payments. Moreover, there are specific equity requirements that the service providers are required to report against to continue receiving payments. There are further nuances around the type of service and the target uses of the service. For example, child safety services can be delivered only by certified and assessed service providers, and the services are for children under a certain age and in need of such services. Grant management systems, which have been traditionally used to manage this category of spend, can meet the advance payment and equitable requirements. However, they are not typically integrated with the upstream sourcing and contract management systems which introduces significant rework when upstream contracts are varied. Such variations are a common occurrence in social services delivery due to the nature of social services contracts. So, a custom procurement solution for the social sector will provide the government with the much needed visibility and therefore reduce workload. Am I right? 
What's your take, Craig? Yes, absolutely. To add, a specialised procurement solution can provide government with with outcome data, whether it be provision of beds or services, to some of the most disadvantaged in our community. Tracking outcomes across contracts helps governments identify investments that are making a difference to these outcomes across regions and the ones that need further attention. Menzor, why don't you tell Chris about the impact Edgeverve has created in the public sector procurement space? Yes, absolutely. We recently worked for the Communities Department of a large Australian state government, where the department helps citizens through an investment of over a billion dollars per annum across initiatives by tying up with approximately 800 NGOs and service providers. Due to the number of vendors involved, the points where information could be lost were many. However, with the Procure Invest platform, powered by our Procure platform, we're targeting to deliver an uplift of approximately 30 to 35% efficiency improvement in the efforts spent by the contract managers in managing the 3,000 plus contracts with the NGOs. With the platform, even the NGOs and the service providers will be able to spend more time providing the service with the citizens as against spending time chasing and reconciling payments. Further to this, the department will have clear visibility into the outcomes delivered by their investments, helping them identify investments that are working and areas that need improvement or further attention. Over time, the department will be able to better predict outcomes, leveraging the AI capabilities that underpin our Procurus platform. That's really impactful, Manzer and Craig. This was a good listen. I'm sure our listeners would have learned something new today. This is all the time we had for now. Thank you both once again for sharing these insights with us. For now, this is Chris signing off. Don't forget to tune in for more from the Edge Quarterly Podcast. Stay safe.